Welcome to The Painted Garden with Kimberly Trowbridge. This is a podcast about color theory and the creative life. Hello, sentient beings. Welcome back to The Painted Garden here at Top Hat Studio. As some of you know, I have not been feeling very well this past week, struggling with some pain and nausea still ongoing. But this morning, after strolling in my garden, I'm feeling well enough to sit down here and speak to you about this glorious experience of being alive. There's a section of my garden that I like to call the pleasure garden. It's a specific area in my backyard that I've kind of sectioned off with some pillars and a trellis on one side where a robust kiwi vine takes over and creates a kind of privacy fence. Within this pleasure garden are textures and colors and scents that I like to celebrate. The ground is covered with a variety of succulents, bright yellow, some kind of mint green, and then clusters of lavender and augustache, speckled throughout. Towards the back is my wonderfully blooming lilac bush, a bright lavender against a full wall of golden hops growing on the back fence. Also within this space is a kind of towering, round, friendly citrus cypress that sets off all of the other colors with the wonderful yellow-green intensity of its pillar. Also, I have a wonderful metal goat that sits in this garden and is a kind of caretaker of the pleasure garden for me. This morning I was also reading and rereading this wonderful book by Mary Oliver called A Poetry Handbook. And it's kind of a technical handbook or kind of goes over really the structure of poems. And towards the end in her conclusion, she generously reveals a couple ideas or a couple quotes that she likes to keep close to her desk when she's working. And the first one is a quote by Flaubert, which she came across among Van Gogh's letters. And it says, Talent is long patience, and originality an effort of will and of intense observation. Let me read that again. Talent is long patience and originality, an effort of will and of intense observation. I love this so much, and I love knowing that it was an important quote to her, because it's saying that talent, instead of being kind of from nowhere or a kind of muse that drops in, that it's actually patience, the ability to sit and to listen and to work through an idea. And that originality is an effort of will and of intense observation. And I love to think of that in terms of plein air painting 
in terms of really intensely looking at nature and the relationships that she offers us. And the second quote that she says is important to her and she kind of lives with is a statement that comes from Emerson's journals. And it simply says, the poem is a confession of faith. The poem is a confession of faith. Like the very gesture, the act to be moved enough to write a poem, to create a structure, to have as a gift to give, to communicate to someone else, is a leap of faith. I also like to think of that in terms of plein air painting and sitting in front of nature and saying, you have so much to teach me. I'm going to sit here and observe you intently and patiently. And I have faith that you can teach me so much more than I can come up with on my own. And so I like to think of a plein air painting as a document of this faith, this leaping towards something larger than oneself. The plein air painting being a kind of love poem to the world. I want to read to you a poem by Stanley Kunitz, which is also part of this handbook of poetry by Mary Oliver, and it's a poem by Stanley Kunitz that I've come across as well. He was very known for his love of his garden. He lived in Provincetown and had a wonderful tiered garden that he cared for meticulously each day and wrote about often in his poems. This particular poem is called the round. The Round by Stanley Kunitz Light splashed this morning on the shell-pink anemones swaying on their tall stems. Down blue-spiked Veronica light flowed in rivulets over the humps of the honeybees. This morning I saw light kiss the silk of the roses in their second flowering. My late bloomers flushed with their brandy. A curious gladness shook me. So I have shut the doors of my house. So I have trudged downstairs to my cell. So I am sitting in semi-dark, hunched over my desk with nothing for a view to tempt me but a bloated compost heap, steamy old stink pile under my window. And I pick my notebook up and I start to read aloud the still wet words I scribbled on the blotted page, light splashed. I can scarcely wait till tomorrow when a new life begins for me, as it does each day. <laughs> 
as it does each day. Oh, how I love this poem. So it's called The Round, and I love that. So we start in the first part of the poem with him out in the morning light, noticing how the light is caressing the anemones, the veronicas, noticing the honeybees and the second flowering of his roses. This incredible pleasure. Uh, he says, a curious gladness shook me. Then after this round, this walk in his garden, he then cycles into his cell, a kind of, I imagine, a kind of underground garret or root cellar, his office where he writes poems, where he has only the view of the compost heap, where things are decaying and being remade and restructured and reorganized. And it is here that he will celebrate and reflect upon and bring this poem to light for us through patience and work and focus and will. And then he can scarcely wait until the next day where a new life will unfold for him, as it always does, as it always does. And so we have this full circle, the round, the walking in the garden, the intense observation of the natural world, and then the coming inside, the internal, the underground, the decay, the taking apart, the putting back together again for new life. This poem, yes, a document of faith and also a description of that very process of one's faith. Something I've been thinking about recently while working in my garden, drawing or painting or weeding, and starting to plot and plan this major painting I'm about to undertake that has been on pause because of my illness. But I've been thinking about medieval space, the kind of space that we see in a lot of medieval paintings or even in early Northern Renaissance paintings where scale of the figures or size of the figures within a certain painting are really varied, where perhaps the patrons um, of the painting itself are shown quite large whereas lesser characters might be actually quite small. And so we have this kind of hierarchy of size, a hierarchy of importance of the figures depicted shown through their relative size in relation to each other. And I've been thinking about this kind of space of attention or importance and how say, walking in the garden for me, my morning round, how each day there will be a kind of new character, or perhaps a repeat character that will really announce herself. Uh, right now, the peonies are, you know, these firm little round buds about to burst, about to really become some major 
protagonists in the yard and so very large in my perceptual field. Um, my wonderful smoke bush, the wily candelabra, her incredible multicolored translucent leaves. She's certainly larger in my attention space, my emotional space, when the morning light is flickering through her. And then I might move my gaze and some of the other forms might be smaller, kind of lower on the hierarchy just for that particular morning stroll. And then boom, almost like through a looking glass or a magnifying glass, a certain leaf of chard catches my eye and so comes close forward, seems large in its presence. And so thinking of the kind of garden and this large piece I'm starting where these pieces and parts might not fit together exactly or certainly don't in memory when I kind of map my backyard and my mind that certain characters kind of step forward and are larger, whereas others kind of sit subdued or secondary, waiting their turn, waiting their moment in the season where they really shine, where they really show their colors and their forms and become the protagonists themselves. I want to read you another poem by Mary Oliver. It's from her collection called Thirst. This poem is called Messenger, and it happens to be a poem that lives in my yard on a beautiful plywood plaque painted letters of green. I inherited this wonderful plaque from Blodell Gardens, where each April for Poetry Month, they place these different plaques, these poems throughout the garden as places to stop and read poems and reflect and then keep walking through. And I was generously offered to go through the barn and kind of sift through this wonderful library of past used uh, plyboard poems. I even love that image of the barn full of these stacks of wooden poems. The Messenger by Mary Oliver My work is loving the world. Here the sunflowers, there the hummingbird, equal seekers of sweetness. Here the quickening yeast, there the blue plums. Here the clam deep in the speckled sand. Are my boots old? Is my coat torn? Am I no longer young and still half perfect? Let me keep my mind on what matters, which is my work, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. The Phoebe, the Delphinium, the sheep in the pasture and the pasture which is mostly rejoicing since all the ingredients are here, which is gratitude to be given a mind and a heart, and these body clothes, a mouth with which to give shouts of joy to the moth and the wren, to the sleepy dug-up clam, telling them all 
over and over how it is that we live forever. Yet again, another kind of witnesser, an observer of the natural world, a rejoicer in the incredible gifts of every day. Here, the clam deep in the sand, the hummingbird, the sunflowers, the delphinium, the pasture, the sheep in the pasture. Love that she says all of the ingredients are here. And isn't that true? If we are perceiving with open hearts and eyes this world around us, the gift of each day unfolding, so much to be thankful for, and so much that we ourselves are a part of, are connected to. At the end, she says, telling them all over and over how it is that we live forever. And I'm thinking back to the Kunitz poem, that kind of round the circle of the observing and then the going underneath, the kind of decay, the compost heap, the changing of forms and becoming something new, a poem, a painting, a new life, that we are at a very cellular level, part of the stars, the dust, part of this earth, that when I am in the garden and I am in my special place of playing my color chords on my plein air palette, that that to me is a kind of bridge or an openness, a portal, a liminal space where I get to enter that interconnectivity with all that surrounds me, where I am not separate from what I'm seeing, but rather a kind of translucent vessel where all of that light and all of those forms and textures are reflected through me. And that my body someday will go back to the earth and become part again or continue to be part of this glorious, this glorious symphony of life on earth. Thank you again so much for joining me here on the Painted Garden. I hope you all are safe and well and have at least a tiny little nook in your world a tiny plant, a place to let light in that you can nourish and that you can observe as the days pass. And I hope for all of you that you are coming in touch with a part of yourself, an internal part, the kind of root cellar of the self where you can begin to compost and reform and rearticulate your ideas, your values, what's important to you, and how you want to move forward and create a new world, a garden.